This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, I wish you were here because our guest is in the studio with me today. I do, too. I would love to, to meet him and go out to lunch with you guys. I know. We're going to have a fun time. And guess what? He's from New York City. Yes, I did notice that. He actually said hello, and the minute he said more than hello, I was like, okay, very New York accent. Which I love. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. That was a good thing. I am really looking forward today because we're going to talk about the healing power of humor. And I think humor is just so incredibly important. And I know there's so much that Alan knows about it. And, you know, Alan comes from personal experience, too. He's had a personal loss, uh, the loss of his wife. And we'll talk a little bit about that and, uh, and about how he's used humor in writing his books. He has written over 17 books, working on it as 18th. Wow. And some of the books are The Healing Power of Humor, The Courage to Laugh, and Learning to Laugh When You Feel Like Crying. And what uh, a great contribution he's given to this world with teaching about humor and grief. And frankly, I really don't think we hear enough about it. I agree. Yeah, so I'm really happy to uh, welcome you to the studio and to the show today, Alan. Great Hi, to Alan. be here. Hi. Hear my New York accent? <laughs> Tony Turd Street. <laughs> and, now, and now San Francisco. So you guys get around. Well, Alan, tell us about the loss of your wife and where you were at that time. Were, were you humorous? Have you always been humorous? Tell us a little bit about you. Well, the interesting thing about my wife and I is, is, uh, we'd always make each other laugh. And, um, she got a terminal illness, primary biliary cirrhosis after we moved to San Francisco. Um, I had always wanted a Victorian house and I'd sit in New York City drawing pictures of Victorian houses. Her parents lived here, so we'd come and visit. We got our house and I don't think we were in the house more than a year, less than a year, actually. And we found out she had a terminal liver disease. Wow. And there were no, no liver transplants. Wow. There were no hospices at the time. And the prognosis was three years. Mm. And she did pass away uh, after three wow. years. And it was a very difficult three years. Mm-hmm. But she had a great sense of humor and used it during those three years. I mean, there were tears, but there was also lots of of laughter. Mm -hmm. One example, she was in the hospital with a copy of Playgirl magazine with a male nude centerfold. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, Alan, you know, I really like this uh, hunky man this month. Can you put the fold out on the bed near the bed over here and i said ellen you know it's a hospital it's a little risque for that and she said well maybe you're right she said why don't you get a leaf from the plant over there and put it on you know that part (laughs) (laughs) and we did that and things are fine for the first day fine for the second day but by the third day the leaf starts shriveling (laughs) and you know, I just, we would just look at that picture. We would start to laugh. Right. And I realized looking back, it wasn't a lot of laughter. You know, it was five or ten seconds. Right. But it helped us lift us, you know, give us a little reprieve, gave us a perspective that humor always 
gives you. So after Ellen died, I gave up a business I had in San Francisco, a silkscreen business, went back to school to learn about death and dying, and became a hospice volunteer and a home health care aide, and worked with people that were seriously ill, and I would notice how they often used humor. Uh-huh. And sometimes it was sarcastic humor, cynical humor, but sometimes I noticed it was the only thing they really had left. And it was a power that gave them power to rise above the situation uh, that they were facing. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, this is incredible. I went back to school, got a master's degree. My thesis was The Healing Power of Humor, which turned into my first book uh, with the same title. Oh, my gosh. What an incredible story. I mean, what a path. Uh, Heidi and I talk about the different paths that people end up taking as a result of this uh, horrendous experiences that they have and how there can be post-traumatic growth and how it can lead us towards totally different things. Well, I want to talk a little bit about humor because we've got people out there who've just recently had a loss. Never think they'll laugh again. I remember the first time I laughed. I think it was spontaneously. We had what I call um, dark humor, a lot of that going on because – Scott was killed in an accident, and uh, we had a funeral. We lived in Rochester, New York at the time, and he was killed with his cousin. And we wanted to go back into our little hometown in Utah and have another funeral, and my husband was not happy about it. And so we had this whole thing going on about taking the funeral on the road. And he had this whole dialogue that we all laughed hysterically over. And the way we dealt with the disagreement was through on and on and on. And everyone he would talk to, we're, we're taking the funeral on the road, you know, and it was, it was pretty funny, wasn't it, Heidi? Absolutely. It was, it was, it was great because, you know, I, I had, I, it was, I was either going to laugh or I was going to cry or I was going to do both. It was a way to release emotion. Right. Exactly. And laughter and tears, I think, are very close. And yet, you know, when someone dies, particularly in a sudden loss, we kind of push the laughter away. But I think it's just as valuable as the tears. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in the Courage to mm-hmm. Laugh book, I have stories of people, you know, with sudden loss, how they found humor and how it helped them. One example. A woman, I think it was in Pennsylvania, there was a U.S. Air plane crash, lost her husband, and they were going to do, a couple of weeks later, they were going to do a memorial service in that town, because a lot of people were from that town. And she didn't want to be there. And so a friend said, let's go to the mall down the road, a new mall, we'll just take your mind off of this. And she's walking around the mall, and she hears her husband's voice saying, they're doing a memorial to me today? And what is my wife doing? She's out shopping. (laughs) And she said, I started to laugh, she said. And I realized my husband would not want me to bring up my two kids to be solemn all the time, wanting, you know, he wanted me to bring them up with joy. And she said that little bit of laugh wasn't a lot. The little bit of laughter helped her realize that she has to get on with her life. I love it. So, Alan, what would you say to people out there that are saying, you know, but I feel guilty when I'm laughing, because I feel like it's disrespectful to the person that I love that died. It's a very common feeling, you know. How could I laugh? You know, the survivor's guilt. How could I laugh now? And yet, uh, in fact, a brand new study uh, in a book called, uh, let me make sure, The Other Side of Loss came out last year. George Bonanno mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Dashiell Keltner did this two-year study of people who were grieving, and if they found 
found some humor and laughter pretty much after the loss. They did so much better within two years after the loss than people who did not find any humor and laughter. So there's a study showing us it's really important to help us get through that grief. You know, it's kind of, I remember the first time I laughed spontaneously. Now we had these little, you know, jokes, uh, these little dark humor, but one day, one Sunday, it must have been about three months after Scott died, I opened the New York Times and in the business section, and there my husband's picture is. I started to laugh. <laughs> it was such a surprise. I thought it was hysterical. You know, but I remember thinking it was almost like it came from somewhere else, my laugh. It was like tinkling. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was, it was because it, you know, it was a surprise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a, yeah. A and the thing is, you have that choice. When someone dies, are you going to celebrate their life or are you going to mourn their life forever? And, and so you always have that choice. Viktor Frankl talks about changing your attitude, and he was in a concentration camp. You know, I can't even imagine finding any humor there, and yet every day he went in the corner of the concentration camp and found something to laugh about with another prisoner. So you have that choice. Right. And and the uh, the ironicness of life and that kind of thing. Well, okay, so I'm out there. I've just had a loss. Um, is there some way uh, I want to increase my laughter? Is there some way I can do it? Uh, well, find out what makes you laugh. Think about the funny things that you did together with your loved one. You know, those memories. I interviewed people for the Courage to Laugh book, and a lot of them said, what I really want to remember is the good times we had together. And so focus on that. Focus on the happier pictures, you know, that you have, the photos you have with that person. Again, you have that choice. What are you going to focus on? Right. You know, and also the other thing, focus on what did that person give you? Because I think the person is never really gone that you've lost. The spirit's always here, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you find that, Gloria, with your son. Uh, you know, I know with my wife, every time I do a program, and she's in this room right now somewhere, you know, yeah. otherwise I wouldn't be here. Tell us about um, your first lecture you were talking about, because I asked Alan earlier, I, I came to the studio today, and we find dimes all the time connected with Scott. I mean, we that's how we see them being. And I ke- walked into the studio today, and there on the desk was sitting a dime. And uh, I said to Alan, wow, do you believe in dream signs and connections? And he said, well, go of for it, course. Alan. <laughs> uh, I did my very, I was interested in humor, the healing power of humor. I did my first workshop very first workshop, three hours. There was a a break in the middle. And I start the workshop and I'm looking around the room at the people and way in the corner, way in the back was a woman that looked exactly like my wife. And I like stopped for a moment. I was like shocked. And I thought, okay, I can't do much now. But as soon as the break comes, I'll go rush over to her and chat with her, you know, she looks so much like my wife. So the break comes, I start to go over And someone taps me on the shoulder, and I turn around to answer a really quick question. I turn back, and the woman is gone, and she never came back after the break. Mm. And I I took it as a sign that my wife was with me. This was something new I was doing, and that this was the right thing. She was telling me it's okay, that she'll always be there with me, and just continue to do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I love it. Really powerful. You know, was she there? Was she in my mind? I, I don't know. Right. 
But it's, but it's, I think one of the things that Hadi and I say to people, don't question your signs, just accept them. Right. I mean, exactly. Accept your exactly. life, accept your signs and, yeah. and, and things that you, give you know, what's another, yeah. what's interesting to me about the whole laughter and humor thing is I remember going to Compassionate Friends a few years ago, mom, and Tony Rubino did a laughter yoga workshop. And what she did is have people go into the room and just make sounds like laughter. And I remember people were saying, I'm not going to laugh. This isn't going to be funny. And by the end, the entire room was hysterically laughing. <laughs> Just because making those sounds as a group is very contagious. Yeah, so you don't even need, for people who are grieving, you don't even need to find something funny to laugh about. <laughs> With the laughter yoga, you can just. <laughs> it seems silly, but uh, yeah, it makes it me works. smile when I see Alan doing yeah, that right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly, uh, it makes me smile. Exactly, that somebody would do that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yes, that's so good. Well, Alan, were you always funny when you no. were a little kid? No, <laughs> <laughs> I was a very serious, very extremely serious kid, and my wife had this theory, which I really believe at least in my life, that uh, when you get older, you often will get things that you got in back into your life that you didn't do as a kid. So now, as uh, the world's only jollytologist, I get to play and joke and kid around, and um, which I didn't have in my in my younger years. Yeah. Well, t- tell us physically what you think laughing does for you. Well, there's a, that's the whole. See, I, I focus on the psychological side, how it can get us through any not so funny stuff. But it also is physically good for us. When you're laughing, every system in your body gets a workout. So your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up. It's very much like aerobic exercise, because when you stop laughing, it dips below normal. Um, a good laugh, you clear out your lungs, you know. Uh, you cough sometimes to clear out the lungs. You get uh, fresh air in your lungs. It's good for the, your blood system, because you're getting more oxygen. I mean, I can go on and on right. and on. But bottom line, it's healthy to laugh. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the things I remember, Norman Cousins, wasn't it Norman Cousins that brought all sorts of funny movies? He liked the Three Stooges or whatever. And, right. He had a, a disease that they said was incurable, and he checked out of the hospital because he was making too much noise <laughs> and rented ca- uh, candy camera movies and things that made him laugh. And he credits it in part. He also took medication and stuff with healing his uh illness that they said he would never be cured of. Yeah. I remember after Scott died, we went to Tootsie. And that was the <laughs> first movie that we saw. And it was a little bit painful. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, you'd yeah. laugh and then you'd take a breath and wonder, what am I doing? And, yeah. you or know. you might laugh and cry. You yeah, know, and exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, That's exactly. perfectly okay. That's the other thing. People feel guilty and it's perfectly okay to laugh. Now, it's not healthy if if you're a friend of the loved one and you you know you're putting down what happened or you're you're trying to make the other person laugh so that may not work you know i think for me laughter has to come out of the situation mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. someone in a hospital you know they put on that hospital gown with doesn't close in the back and, right you know or someone's in a coffin at a funeral and someone says oh they that person never looks so good <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah uh, uh. <laughs> 
I love it. Well, Alan, tell us what you, you speak all over. You've got books. You've got a fabulous website. So thank you. Which people should know about, which yep. is yes. www. And then my name spelled Alan, A L L E N Klein, K L E I N dot com, Alan Klein dot com. And you've got uh, a list of appearances you'll be doing there? Some, yeah, some. Uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. And you've got your books? I got my books. Uh, the latest one is Learning to Laugh When You Feel Like Crying, which is about embracing life after loss. And it has the five stages of going from loss that I think of, going from loss to laughter, losing, learning, letting go, living, and finally laughing. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's not over. It's not? I don't know. I feel like it went by like, <laughs> like it was five minutes. <laughs> I think it's over, isn't it, Heidi? Oh. Alan, thank you so much for helping people find humor after loss. It's so important. It's so, so important. Thanks for inviting me. Maybe we'll all be able to get together in New York, Manhattan someday. All right. That would be great. Yeah. would love it. All right. Hey, thanks again for being on the show, Alan. And thank I'll you. look forward to seeing you around San Francisco. And we're heading off for lunch. Great. I'm hungry. Thanks. Enjoy. <laughs> Make sure if Gloria picks up the bill, Alan. Well, Heidi, what a great show today. I really enjoyed having Alan on. It's fun to be able to laugh and talk to somebody about laughter, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, when I started, you know, when I was dating, et cetera, when I was single, one of the major criteria for me to go out with a guy a second time was he had to make me laugh on the first date. If he couldn't make me laugh, there was no second date. I'm sorry, because humor has been such an important part of my life and a huge friend, and it has totally helped me heal. It helps me get through all adversity in my life. So I love this topic. And, you know, I was thinking about your dad. I mean, I I think the reason I got married the guy, we've been married for 51 years, is because he is hilarious. He is hilarious. But he is so funny, but it is not, it is a Woody Allen. I mean, the guy drives you crazy. It is kind of a Seinfeldish Woody Allen, very kind of flat humor. It's really, like you said, it's extremely funny to the core and very understated. Yeah, he's very funny. He's so, anyway, we're lucky to have a lot of laughter in our life. And we want to also say to you, to all you folks out there, we hope you'll find some humor in your life from listening to this show and from listening to Alan. And we say to you, if you don't feel hopeful right now and, and don't feel humorous or whatever, lean on our hope until you find your own, because you'll get through it. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's Open to Hope. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.